Welcome to Journey Church Podcast. It's great to have you with us. Here at Journey, we believe that Jesus should be accessible to anyone. So whether you're at home, work, or somewhere in between, you can have access to the weekend's worship experience. If you want to further connect with us, you can find us online at journeyorl.com or any social media platform using at journeyorl. We hope you enjoy the message. It goes like this, Matthew chapter 7, verse 24. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice. How many people know there's a difference between hearing the word and practicing the word? Big difference, big difference. And I think uh, God would have us do, do them both. He's like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the stream rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house. Yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain came down, streams rose, the winds blew and beat against that house, but it didn't last like the, like the wise builder's house fell. It fell, this house fell with a great crash. Um, I'm excited about today's message because we are going to get super practical. Um, we are going to talk about exactly how to make or put together uh, that decision uh, today. And so if you've been here for the last two or three weeks and you're like, man, I'm still facing the situation and I'm still not sure what to do, I'm believing today is going to be uh, your, your Sunday. Uh, and so uh, I want to show you something uh, really quickly that I'm super proud of. Yeah, well, could you give me that, babe? I'm, I'm, I'm super proud of this woman right here. But aside from her, my wife, I can say that. Uh, I am super proud of this right here. Now, you have no idea what this is, but I will tell you, I know I always preach about my kids, and, but I actually have an excuse to preach about my kids today because last Sunday or this past Wednesday was my son Justice's birthday, turned five years old, and uh, he's like an adult already, the way he talks and the way he thinks and kind of scares me. Um, he's been telling time lately, and, uh, which is great because he's, you know, it's, he's, he's getting smarter. It's also uh, kind of annoying because he's always telling us the time. And so just mid-lunch, he'll be like, it's 3.30. It's 3.30. It's 3.30. Did you know it's 3.30? I'm like, yes. Uh, I've been able to tell time for the last 25 years. But I uh, appreciate you filling me in, Poppy. Um, so excited about, uh, I'm proud of this because uh, Justice made this uh, all by himself. He opened up the instruction booklet and he just went to town. And he made a clock house by himself. And I was so proud of him. Uh, and so this is his clock house, and I wanted to show you this. Now, Justice made this for his birthday, but I built this for his birthday, or for Christmas. Yeah, he's doing tricks already. He's like, I'll tell you, he's advanced. He's, you should have seen it. I'll show you the video. He did like a 360, and um, I'm just kidding. No. We just posed him like that. Um, that's his bike. That bike had 99 pieces uh, to it, and... Uh, I'm exaggerating. It had like eight, but it was hard to put together. But I did it. I built that bike. Justice made this little house, but even though he can make that, how many people know he, he couldn't build that? I built the bike. He made the house. And the reason why that is important and is because of the verbs that I used. I intentionally changed the verb on you. I said he made the little house, but I built the bike. And I used make and I used build. In Intentionally, because I believe there's a difference between those two words. If you look in the dictionary, 
They're very similar. They actually are synonyms for one another until you see the words used in real life, like right here, or in a sentence. Then you realize there's one unique difference between the word make and the word build, and that is that you make small things, but you build big things. If you look at your own sentences, you'll see that, right? You make a bed. It takes no thought, and it's quick. You make a sandwich. It takes no thought, and it's quick. You make a mess, and it takes no thought, and it's quick. But nobody makes a skyscraper, right? Nobody makes a business. Nobody makes a relationship. No, you build those things because those things take more time, and because those things have greater consequences, those things come with a greater cost. And if it sounds like I'm just playing a word game, I'm not. Because when you, when you connect what I just said with the fact that the, the verb that we most often use in conjunction with decision is not build, right? What do we often tell people when we're deciding something? We said, hey, I have to make a decision. And I think that says a lot about our thought process when it comes to decision making because we be making decisions like we be making sandwiches. And we be making decisions like we be making beds. And we be making decisions like, like we make messes, quick and with no thought. And I want to tell you that good decisions are built and not made. Good decisions are built and not made. And that's what I want to teach you today. I want to teach you today how to not make a decision but build a decision, okay? At least the big decisions, which is kind of my disclaimer before I get into the message. I don't want you to make decisions you should be building, but I also don't want you to build decisions you should be making. Like the lady said, do you want cream and sugar? It's an easy question, you know? You don't got to build that, okay? You don't got to do the, maybe you do a calorie count and you do the measurement and the Google research on if this causes cancer and all. I get it, but, but just, just say you want the sugar or not. Like don't but build that, right? But but I, that's okay because I don't think you came here today because you couldn't figure out what to wear in the morning. If you did, that's not what this sermon series is about, okay? You don't have to pray about that. Hair up or down, Lord, up or down. Curly or straight, God, you need to tell me, reveal it right now because I could miss the one at church today. My hair is not right. But the truth, what's the scripture say about hair up? And you don't need to build decisions you should be making. Um, uh, you got to, you, you, yeah, you, 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 but you need to build uh, you need to build the big decisions. And that's how we know, right? If it's a big decision, uh, you got to build it. And so I'm going to be your general contractor today, all right? I always wanted to be a general contractor. It's one of the things I wanted to do. I look up to my dad, who's a general contractor, and he taught me a couple of things, not, uh, not a whole lot, but, you know, I can, I can do some stuff. I can change a light bulb. If a switch is down, I can replace the switch. I can fix holes in walls. They don't look great. But the hole's not there. I can do these things. And so I'm grateful for the things that he taught me. But I'm going to be your general contract today. I'm going to teach you how to build a decision. And we're going to use a metaphor today. We're going to use some props. And the metaphor we're going to be using for how to build a decision is going to be the metaphor of building a house. Okay? And I chose the metaphor of building a house for three reasons. One, uh, it uh, takes a lot of parts. Uh, two, it takes a lot of time. And three, once you build it, good or bad, you have to live with it. Got to live with it. You got to live with it. Whether you build it good or bad, you got to live with it. And so we're going to go to the very first and most important, yes, underappreciated part of building a home and building uh, a decision. And that part is our foundation. Where's my props at? We're going to build that foundation. Give it up for Rad and his muscles. Come on, that's a heavy piece right there. 
He's single <laughs> and strong, obviously, yes. Um, foundation. Now, at a very first look, a foundation is not, you know, sexy. It's nothing special about a foundation. I remember when my parents and I first moved to Florida, and uh, we had bought a home, but it was going to take a couple of months before we were able to move into our home. So we were living in an apartment, which was a change for me because I really hadn't lived in an apartment since I was like seven or eight. We had a house in New York City where we were moving from. And one day, my dad said, hey, do you want to go see the house? And I was like, yes, I'd love to go see the house. So he takes me in the car, and we go to go see the house. And when we go to the I was so, I can't remember being more disappointed about anything in my life. We moved across the country, and we get there, and there's a flatbed of cement and these things. And he's like, you know, he's a contractor. He can appreciate these things. He's like, isn't it awesome? And I'm like, what are you talking about? There's just cement everywhere, like. Is this why we moved to Florida for cement? You know what I mean? If I wanted cement, I'd have stayed in New York. You know, that's all we got back there. Um, but he said, no, no, Jay, you don't understand. This is the foundation. It's the most important part of the house. You see, I wanted the lights. I wanted to see the big screen TV. I wanted to see my PlayStation installed and the microwaves and all of that thing. I wanted the shiny stuff. I didn't want to see the foundation. And a lot of times when it comes to the decisions we want to make, God's trying to help us, but we don't receive what he's telling us because what we want are, is revelation. What we want is a stranger to come up to us in the street and she's like, the Lord says break up. And they just walk away and we're like, oh, my God. Like, you know, like we want, we want dreams. You know, let's be honest. How many people here pray for God to speak to him through a dream, right? You know what that is? That's like lazy man's way of getting an answer from God. It can't get any lazier than that. Change my life while I'm asleep, Lord. Like this is, you can't get any lazier than that, you know. But it's like, Lord, speak to me in my dream, right? We, but the problem is a dream just like revelation can be interpreted a million different ways. You know, is the dream that you're supposed to stay together? Is it the dream you're supposed to break up? Or is the dream because you ate pizza too late last night? Who knows? It's shifting, right? It changes too much. And so it's, it's, it's hard. You, don't, you need something that doesn't change. You need something that doesn't shift. Because if you build your house on something that shifts, it could all come crashing down. In December 1995... Uh, in, the, in one of the most upscale uh, communities in San Francisco, it's called Seacliff Community. It was a $16.5 million mansion, and it was a storm that night. And 11 and a half inches of rain fell on that community. And one of the sour, uh, sewer pipes bursted, and uh, the rock or whatever rock was left under the mansion actually eroded because of the explosion of the sewer pipe. And at 4.30 a.m., December 1995 in the Seacliff community, a $16.5 million mansion collapsed into a sinkhole in the ground. $16.5 million. There was hot tubs, there was lights, there was sunroofs, but it all came crashing down because there wasn't a foundation. You cannot build your decision or your home on something that has the potential to shift. That's why in Matthew 7.25, that was the wise builders. That's what he did. That's why he won. He said, I built my house on a solid rock. And when the storm came, it was able to withlast because it was strong and it was sturdy, was the foundation. And so here's the problem with making decisions. We live in a world today where the truth is always changing and shifting. So how do I build my decision on a truth when truth as we know it changes from year to year? In 2016, putting, in your, putting butter in your coffee would extend your life. In 2017, putting butter in your coffee causes cancer. Right? It's like from one year to the next, all the facts change all the time. And that's a problem. And so what truth do we have in our life that is sturdy? What truth do we have in our life that does not shift? What truth do we have in our life that is sure and certain? The wise builder said, or Jesus said about the wise builder, he built his house on 
these words of mine. The foundation is the word of God. He built this house on these words of mine. And I love the Bible because the word of God, the word of God doesn't shift. It has lasted throughout time. The word of God, it, the Bible says in Psalms 119, or the Bible says in Psalms 100, it says, my words will never pass away. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. You know that the word of God has lasted the rise and fall of empires. It has lasted two world wars and 44 presidents. It is written in 636 different languages. It spans all time, culture, politics, and trends. Democrats read it. Republicans read it. White people read it. Black people read it. Hispanic people read it. Retired people read it. Children read it. It's lasted the time, and it has not shifted. It has stayed right where it is. It has been for over 2,000 years. And you know why? Because it's true. It's true and it does not change. You can build your house on this. You know, my wife is big into fashion and I'm not. Not because I don't care about how I look. I care about how I look. I'm not big into it because fashion is always changing. We used to watch this show called Project Runway, Don't Judge Me. And the thing that the host would always say at the end is to the people who get kicked out. You remember? No. They would say... They would say, and in fashion, they would say, one, one, one week you're in, and the next week you're out. That's how it is with truth in this world, but not the word of God. It has lasted, and it has tested, and you want to build your house on that. It does not change. You also want to build your house on this, because just like a foundation, if you pull it out from under the house, it all comes crashing down. And so you got to understand, as we continue to build this house, that while there are other ways to help you make a decision, it all has to be built on this right here. There's truth in this that can help you grow, that can help you make that decision that you need. Now, let's be honest. The Bible is great. The Bible is true. And the Bible will help point you in the right direction uh, most of the time. All the time it will help you. But most of the time, you might not get the specific answer that you're looking for, right? Like, for example, if you're praying about moving to Chicago, you're not going to open the Bible and, and it's going to be like Chicago, right? I mean, let's just be real. Like, as pastors, I, I want this book to be real for you, but it's not, right? If you're praying about whether or not to have a third or fourth child and you don't know, you know, you already have three already, God, what, do you, what, what, what should I do? Right? It's not going to say anything about birth control, right, because there wasn't birth control in the Bible. And so I'm, I'm just being honest. I'm kind of pulling back the veil. There are certain situations in life where the Bible can give you direction, but maybe doesn't answer completely what you need. That's okay. That's why we're building a house. Just keep on building. And so the very first thing we need to build our house in our decision is the word of God. We go, we go from there and we continue to move on. And so if you don't have your answer yet here, keep going. Now, a lot of times you can get the answer here. Just make you to know. Okay? It's like, should I cheat on my wife with that girl from work? Uh, no. And it says it right there. You're good. Like, I made that decision for you. It's real easy. Like, 70% of the decisions you have to make in life, this book can answer. The word of God can answer. But uh, there, are, there is a good chance that, that you still need to keep building. So we're going to keep building. And, uh, and the next part of the house that you need to build and the next part of the house that you need to build your decision is the door. You need the door. So what does the door represent and why is the door important? The door represents a very important part of the decision-making process. The door represents the counsel of others. Write that down if you're taking notes. The counsel of others. And the reason why the door symbolizes the counsel of others is because you have to choose who you're going to let in and who you're going to keep out. 
Because you can't let everybody in because not all advice is great or good. But you also can't keep everybody out. And I'd like to speak to the keeping out part first because while it is true that we know instinctively we can't let everybody in, sometimes we've let bad experiences and bad people lock the door of our heart for us to people forever. And that's not good. Proverbs 11 says, in the multitude of counsel, there is wisdom and safety. You've got to be able to let people in in your life and speak into your situation. Not everybody's going to give you bad advice. Not everybody's out to hurt you or get you. You've got to be able to open the door and let those speak, okay, because people can help you. Here's, here's a couple of things I love about what people can bring into my life and into my decisions. First off, people give you perspective because sometimes you can't see things about your own life. You know, we used to do this thing in elementary school, and I don't know if you did it, and it's kind of childish, and so forgive me if this offends you, but your kids will love it, and they'll probably start doing it, which might be gross, but we used to do this thing in elementary school where, where we would go up to our friends, our guy friends, and if there was a girl nearby, and she was kind of cute, I don't know why we were thinking about cute girls in elementary school, but, um, and she was kind of cute, we'd go up to our guy, and we would say this, we'd go, how's the weather? Anybody do that? No? No? The only one? Oh, well, then you're going to love what that means. And so the reason why we would go, how's the weather, is because we were trying to give him a good perspective of our nostrils. And then he would say two things. He would say, it's clear. (laughs) At which point you knew you were good to go up to that girl. Or he would say, it's cloudy, dog. It's cloudy. It's cloudy. And, and then you'd be like, oh, it's cloudy? I'll be in the bathroom. I'll be right back. Um, and that's how we do it. And, and it's a silly example, and it's kind of gross, and it's kind of childish. But it proves the point that there are certain aspects of your life that you can't see because it's your life. And you need other people who see you on a regular basis to be able to say, hey, man, I don't know if you know this, but it is cloudy up in that this, this week. It's cloudy. People who, you know, people who are going to speak to you. Another reason why you need other people to speak into your life and you need the counsel of others is because other people, good people, they're going to be unbiased in their advice. Because how many people know sometimes you can be too close to a decision emotionally? Let me speak to my teenagers real quick. Raise your hand if you're a teenager or a student, middle school, high school. Okay. Here, 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 let me give you some advice real quick. Here's what you guys need to hear. Because one day you're going to meet a boy or a girl. And you're going to think this boy or girl is the ish. You're going to think they're so awesome. And you're going to bring them home one day. And you're going to have a mom or a dad who loves you. Hey, listen, I don't quote Justin Bieber often. But he hit the nail on the head when he said, my mama don't like you. And she likes everyone. I'm telling you. He hit the nail on the head when he said that. And I'm just telling you, teenager, you want to hear a word from God whether or not that guy or girl is the one for you. But what if God is using your mom or your dad to speak right into your life? He can do that. He he can do that. He can speak to your dad. He can speak to your mom. Because 99% of the time, they're going to be right. They're going to be right. And so you want to take that about. And you know who's saying, yep, the 20 and 30-year-olds who didn't pay attention to mom when they were 14 and (laughs) 15-year-olds. That's who's saying, yep, right now. They're thinking, man, if I'd have listened to my dad. Boy, that would have saved me years, man. That would have saved me, Christina. That would have saved me, George. Dang it. Listen to the preacher. He knows what he's talking about. He's got a word from God today. <laughs> yeah, bring your kids into the service. This is the kind of stuff you get on a regular basis. Huh? 
help you parent. Um, you know, and let me, not let, the, let me not just let the adults off the hook either, the rest of the congregation. Hey, teens, that's great. But you know what, husbands, what if God speaks to you through your wife? God can speak through you through your wife. Man. You know, I don't make a big decision without talking to Liz. I ask her advice so much, I even made up my own word for what we do. You ready? I call it listening. That's true. I, I got to listen. And so I'll be like, babe, what's, I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit speaks through my wife, and she provides wisdom, and, she, and, 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 I, and my heart is open to her because I know that I can trust her. And so when she says things to me, I take it to heart, and I make the necessary changes that I have to make. And now I know as I'm saying that, there's some husbands thinking here, and, well, I wish my wife was wise. I wish my wife had wisdom. I, you got a good woman, but my woman, oh, kind of, yeah. You know why? She's a lot wiser than you give her credit for. And the only reason why she stopped giving you advice is because she learned years ago that you weren't going to take it. She learned years ago. She says, I'm not even going to give my advice anymore because every time I give my advice, you say no. And so I'm just going to be quiet. And you think it's that she's not wise, but the truth is she's wise enough to stay quiet. And so here's my thing. Give her a chance. Pray. Ask God for advice. Ask your spouse for advice. God can speak through that person. All right? Now, those are the people you got to let in. But at the same time, there's some people you got to let out. Some people you got to let out. Some people you got to keep out. And, and, I, and, I, and I was thinking, how do I explain to my church, how do I explain to the congregation who we keep out? And, and really, I, I, I was able to boil it down to two simple questions. Here's the two simple questions you need to answer before you determine whether or not you're going to take someone's counsel. It's real easy. Question number one, do they love God? If the person you're getting counsel from doesn't love God, you need to keep them out because they're going to give you advice that is contrary to the foundation. And if they give you advice that's contrary to the foundation and you follow it, then the foundation gets pulled out from beneath the house and the whole thing comes crumbling down. But if they love God, they're going to make sure to advise you everything in the word of God. Okay, I, I remember being a youth pastor and I would, and I would be meeting with, with a lot of students whose parents didn't go to church. And they'd be like, I try to go home, but my mom tells me that I go to church too often. And I'd be like, listen, your mom is great. You need to listen. You need to obey. She is wrong on that. Okay? And I'm just speaking to you from God's perspective. Okay? He wants you to be in his house. And so that's another. And, you know, here's another important one. The second one, do they love God? And here's another, another test. Do they love you? Because if they love themselves more than they love you, their advice and counsel will be selfish in nature. And so your boss is telling you you shouldn't move and take that other job, not because he loves you, but because he knows that if he loses you, he's not going to have nobody to do that position. Your friend is telling you not to move away, not because they don't want what's, not because they want what's best for you, because they don't want to lose a friend. And so you got to make sure that the people who are giving you counsel are people who love you more than they love themselves. So important. But you got to be open to counsel, okay? Now, a couple things, a couple scenarios that can happen when you start taking advice. Scenario number one, everybody is telling you to do it, but the word of God says not to. In that scenario... You need new friends, okay? You need new friends. I'll make it real easy for you, all right? If everybody's telling you to do it, but the word of God says don't do it, you need new friends. Another scenario is you feel good about it, but everyone's telling you not to do it. In that scenario, it could be God speaking through the counsel. In which case, you need to pray about it and wait for God to bring more clarity. The other scenario, though, is something that I actually lived through. 
And it was when Liz and I were praying about whether or not we should take a job offer in Springfield, Missouri. I'll preach about this next week, too, when we talk about what happens if you made the wrong decision. And I'm just going to do a little, little plug for next Sunday. How many people have ever, you just know, that decision I made back then was not God. It was a bad decision. Maybe you feel like the rest of your life has been thrown off track because of that one decision. You want to come next Sunday. But so, so I was in there, and, uh, and I went to the Bible about this move to Missouri, and I was like, all right, what do I do? You know, I'm not sure what to do um, because the Bible says that, you know, I should be serving God. Both positions were serving God. So then I asked some people who I admired, people who I knew loved me and loved God, and I asked eight people. You shouldn't have asked eight people because literally, I kid you not, four said you should go. And four said, you should stay. And it was four and four. And I was torn. And I thought, man, I can't get no, no direction. I don't know where to go. And things did not get clear for me until the next piece of the building came into place, which is exactly the process I went through. This is the process I go through when I make a big decision. This is the process I believe the Bible teaches us. And you'll see that as I continue to share scripture with you. And so this made sense. Now, now for the first time, I got some direction on this third piece. And the, and the third piece uh, of the building, uh, of your decision in the home was uh, the windows. If you're having trouble looking and if you're having trouble seeing what God wants you to do, then you should probably get some windows because windows will help you see. And so what do the windows represent in this scenario, in this situation? In this situation, the windows represent life's situations. Life's situations. Okay, here's what I mean by life's situations. Sometimes we can get so caught up in the decision that we miss the obvious things around us that are trying to tell us what we should or shouldn't do. And so we're all in the house of our decision, wondering, what do I do in the house of my decision? What do I do in this? I'm not sure where to go. I'm not sure what to do. And God's like, you know what? Maybe just open up the window and look outside. Because if you look outside, you'll see some things in your life that are helping you make the decision clearer. This is where things for me started to get, like I said, clearer. At the time of the move to Missouri, Justice was three years old. Zane was two years old. We had two little kids under three years old, and the only people who helped us take care of them were my parents who lived an hour and away and my in-laws who lived 15 minutes away. And, and let me just tell you, we, was not about to, uh, we were thinking about it, and we're like, all right, if we move to Missouri, we're going to live in a city with no new friends. We're going to live in a city with, with no family. No one's going to help us babysit. This job requires a lot of travel. I looked at my life situation. I said, you know what? As much as I want to go, and I really did, I noticed that there were some limitations in my life that were suggesting to me this might not be the best decision right now. And I didn't get that from the word. And I didn't get that from the council. I got that from looking out the window. There are some things in life going on right now that are not suggesting this is a good decision. It might not be the best time to take a new job across the country in the middle of nowhere with no family and friends and leave Liz at home raising two kids because I'm always traveling. That might not be good. And, and I was frustrated at the moment because I thought, man, this is so limiting to me. I wish I didn't have these limits on me. I wish I could just do what I want. And a lot of times we, we, we are that way. We look at the limits that God has on our life and we say, man, if only I didn't have this, I could do that. But what if the reason you have this is so you don't do that? If only, if only I didn't have this, then I could do that. But what if the limits on your life is actually God's way of redirecting you towards his will for you? To the right, the right decision. Huh? 
And so, and so what if the things that you consider limits are actually God's way of, 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 of telling you what he wants you to do? And so, and so um, let's say uh, you're single, you know, you don't have any kids, and you think, man, if only I had a family, then I could really get going in life. Then things would really go. Yeah, I get that, but do you know all that you can do with the free time you have right now? Because there are things you can do that you're single that you cannot do when you get a man, when you get a boy, when you get a kid. There's things you can't do. So you know what? That's good. That's good, and, 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 if you, and if you look at it, because, again, we're always asking God, God, remove the limits. Instead of saying, God, remove the limits, say, God, show me why the limits are here. Let me embrace them and teach me what I need to know from them. Maybe you're older and you're just about to retire, and you're thinking, man, if only I had the energy or if only I had the strength, then I could do more for God's kingdom. Yeah, but do you know what you can do with your wisdom? Do you know what you can do with your experience? There are so many young people waiting to get mentored. It's not a limit. It's an opportunity. It's God showing you what the next season of your life is. So you don't have a lot of energy, so you don't have a lot of strength. Great, but you're smart. You've been through a lot. There's young people you can bring under your arm and coach and mentor. Maybe you got a lot of money. Maybe you're well off financially and you're thinking, man, but the reason why you're well off financially is because you work a lot. And you're thinking, man, if I didn't work so much, then I can get more involved in church. Then I could get more involved in a small group. Then I could get more involved in my community. But what if the reason why you've been so blessed financially is so that you can have an opportunity to be generous? Or what if you're not doing well off financially? You're thinking, well, if only I had money, then I can do things for God. But that's okay, too, because sometimes it's not the limits on our life that makes clear the next step. A lot of times it's the adversity in our life that makes clear the next step. Sometimes it's the things we have to fight that God is using to show us the very next step of process in the decision. One of my favorite stories all time in the Bible is a story called, uh, it's a story of a, of a young man named Joseph. He's the person I was named after in the Bible, which, woo, info alert, that's what JJ stands for, Joseph, okay? And so, um, Joseph James. And, uh, and so, and I'm not arrogant at all because in all my boys' names, I made sure to put some form of that. But um, that's just me trying to live forever. Uh, Joseph, I love the story of Joseph because it's a great example of how adversity can lead you right to where God wants you to be. You have this young man who has a dream of being great, but he gets thrown in a pit which, by his brothers. His brothers throw him in a pit to die, which sounds like bad news, but it's actually good news because these slave traders come by and they purchase him out of the pit, which sounds like great news because they sold him to uh, an official in Egypt. But that great news actually turns out to be bad news because while he's working for that official, that official's wife accuses him of rape, which sounds like bad news because he gets thrown into a prison. But it actually turned out to be good news because in that prison, there was a cupbearer who he helped prophesy to so that he can get a good word in with the king, which sounds like good news, except it was bad news because the cupbearer forgot that Joseph had told him that and waited two years to tell him, which sounds like bad news, but actually turned out to good news because then he actually got a meeting with the king and he told him a dream about a famine that was going to hit Egypt for four years, which sounds like bad news, but it was actually good news because he was able to forecast the famine, he was able to plan for it, and he was able to supply food for all the Egyptians, which sounds like good news, but it's actually bad news because his family was starving and had to come and sell everything to be able to live, which sounds like bad news. But it's actually good news because it was through his family coming into Egypt that God would set up the entire story of salvation and redemption for the humanity of the world. So here, for, here's what the Bible says in Genesis chapter 50 verse 20. You intended to harm me, Joseph said, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. 
So you are facing certain trials and difficulties in your life and you're wondering why they're happening. But every adversity is a way of God to redirect you to the right decision and the thing he wants you to do in your life. I remember going to haunted houses when I was a kid. It's the second time I preach about this because they traumatized me. It's all my dad's fault. He loved haunted houses. It's weird. And, uh, and he, I think he loved them so much because he would scare the scarers. He just enjoyed that so much. And uh, got kicked out of a couple of them. And so, and I, and I remember going in. How many people have ever been inside a haunted house? Raise your hand. And if you want to know what I'm talking about. Okay, most of the people here. Have you ever noticed the people don't pop out until there's a, a cross route? You get, you get to a door. You get to an opening. And you can go left and you can go right. When you think about going left, the monster pops out. Ah! You're like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. And then you... You go right, and you go right, and then there's two more. And then and you think about going right, but when you go right, another monster comes out. Ah! You go, oh, my God. Oh, my God. And then you go this way. And now you're up here, and you can either go right or left again. And you think about going right, but when you go right, another monster. Ah! And then, oh, my goodness. And then, and then you turn around, and guess where you are? The exit. And you don't know how you got there. Because all you were doing was getting scared and scared and scared and scared. But what you don't know is that every monster was there to get you to where you needed to go. Every monster was placed at a specific location and at a specific time so that you wouldn't go the wrong way. So that you could go to the place you were always born and destined to go to. Did you know? That God will sometimes allow the devil to interfere in your life so he will allow him to direct you to the right place. You're upset because the, because the devil came out with a detour. You thought you were going to get married. You bought the ring. You had the proposal all set. Found out she was cheating on you. Detour. Detour. You bought a brand new house. You thought you were going to live in it forever and sell it for millions, and 2008 came. Detour. Detour. And while you're going through the detour, you're so upset. I had this plan. I had this thing. And, and the devil's thinking, because the devil, here's the funny thing about the devil. He has no idea that he's being used by God. So he's over there in the corner thinking, <laughs> I got him. I got him. But God's in heaven thinking, <laughs> I got him. I got him. I, got, I saved him from that woman. I saved him from that house. I saved him from that sickness. I saved him from that disease. I'll let you, I'll let you post up there, devil, because I needed you to show him that I was the only way he could go. It's not adversity. It's redirection. It's redirection. It's God using life's situations to get you where you need to go. Now, sometimes that can be hard to understand as well. I know a couple very dear to my heart, very close. I'll be with them in, in um, that's November, I think. Um, pastors, they suffered, I think, in the last three years, maybe five or six miscarriages. How are you going to interpret that? Is that God telling you that it's not time to have a baby? Or is that God telling you to keep going? Those are situations that are hard to understand. Was, and they actually, to God be the glory, they actually got pregnant, gave birth a couple months ago. So that's awesome. But my situation, looking out the window and seeing, hey, I'm not going to have any help with my kids. Is that me interpreting life situations or is that me being selfish? This is not always easy to understand. That's okay. You got the last piece of the house, the last piece of the decision, and uh, that is going to help you build. And, and the last piece of the house that is here to help you build and help you make the right choice 
You've got the foundation of the word of God. You've got the door, which is the counsel of others. You've got the window, which is life situations. And the last piece are the pipes. The pipes. Yes. The pipes. We'll get here eventually. The pipes are on their way right there. Awesome. Pipes. What in the where in the world is Pastor JJ going with the pipes? (laughs) Well, the pipes represent someone and something that doesn't get understood often, but I'm going to explain to you. I think you're going to bless your life. The pipes represent the last piece of the decision-making process. The pipes represent the leading of the Spirit, the leading of the Holy Spirit. Why did I choose pipes? To represent the leading of the Spirit. And what is the leading of the Spirit? I'm going to get into that right now. The reason why I chose pipes as the leading of the Spirit, I was inspired in the middle of a home renovation project that our family was doing. We just bought this house in Winter Park. It's the only way we could afford to live. We bought that house so we can start this church with you guys. Um, but Winter Park is expansive. And so we had to buy, like, the most broke-down house in Winter Park. <laughs> so we bought that house, which was great and exciting. My dad came. We did a bunch of renovation. We wanted to knock down a wall because my wife likes these open in concept thingamajigs, and, and we tried to knock down this wall, and when we knocked it down, we found out that there were pipes in the wall, which I had no idea were there. In my mind, pipes are in the floor. I never really wondered how the water got up to the second floor. Magic. I don't know. I have no idea. I never put two and two together, but we knocked on the wall, and we couldn't knock on the wall because there were pipes in the wall, pipes that I didn't even know we had. Here's why I wanted to choose the, the illustration of pipes. It's because a lot of you guys have recently, or maybe years ago, have made a decision to follow Christ. And when you made that decision, you, have no, you had no idea that when you made that decision to follow Christ, something got installed on the inside of you. Something got installed on the inside of you, and you had no idea was there. And it is the person of the Holy Spirit. Who is the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit is God in you. Now, You didn't know he was there, and just like pipes, not only do we not know that they're there, we have no idea how they work. I have no idea how pipes work, but I'm glad that they're there. And a lot of us have no idea how the Holy Spirit works in our life, but you should be glad that he's there. You know how the Holy Spirit works? One of the ways that he works, the Bible says that he helps us pray. Let me tell you something about that word pray. I mean pray dialogue, not pray monologue. In other words, not only does he help you find the words to communicate to God, he also helps you bring the words to communicate to your soul, which is the last reason why I picked pipes, because pipes are connected to the source. Pipes are connected to the source. You want an answer from God? I got an answer. See, back in the day, and back in the day, I don't mean 1970, I mean like, you know, 12 AD, 200 BC, back when all the stories in this, in the word of God were just being written, if you wanted an answer from God, you had to go find the priest or the prophet. You had to go find that person. Kings would do it all the time. They would get into a fight and they would say, okay, God, am I going to win this fight or am I not going to win this fight? Do I fight this fight on the west front or do I fight on the east front? Decisions, decisions like we make every day. The only problem is God would never talk to them because they weren't prophets or priests. 
And so they'd have to call up Elijah, or they'd have to call up Elisha, or they'd have to call up Isaiah. These are the names of some famous prophets in the Old Testament. And they'd say, hey, Isaiah. Well, they didn't really have phones back then, but you know what I'm saying. This is for sake of illustration. Hey, Isaiah. Uh, hey, Elijah. Hey, Elisha. Hey, I've been, I've been praying about, uh, 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 you know, going to war with the Amalekites. And I'm wondering, should I go on the west front or the east front? And Elijah would say, let me talk to God on your behalf. Don't move until I tell you. They would go, and they would talk, and they would come back, and they'd say, uh, hey, king. Uh, don't, don't fight the Amalekites at all. God said he's not going to win that battle for you. But if you wait two months, then fight, then you win. What a great connection. But what a process, right? To have to go find somebody to talk to God on your behalf, to be able to get an answer from God, you have to find somebody. Something so, that all changed. That all changed when Jesus Christ died on the cross. The Bible says that when Jesus, the word of God says that when Jesus was crucified on the cross, that the veil in the holies of holies ripped in half. What is the holies of holies? Think of the holies of holies like the discussion room. That's where the priest would go to get his answer. That's where the prophet would go to get his answer. The holies of holies. The word of God says that when Jesus died on the cross, the veil was torn in half. What does that mean? God was sending you and I a message. He's saying, hey, no more secrets, no more secret rooms, and no more intermediators. You don't have to get somebody to come through this place for you. The veil is gone. The intermediator is gone. I'm going to give you another intermediator. His name is the Holy Spirit, and he's going to be with you whenever you go and whatever you want. And now, if you've got a question, you can just ask, and the Holy Spirit inside of you will speak to the Lord and bring an answer right back to you. He lives in your heart, and he lives in your soul. I'm so grateful that I don't live back in the day. If I get thirsty, I don't got to go to the lake. If I get thirsty, I don't got to go to the river. I just got to open my faucet. And I'm so grateful that when I have a question, and when I need direction, and when I need comfort, and when I need an answer, I don't got to go hike to the mountains in Malaysia. I don't got to go find a temple. I don't got to sit with a pastor one-on-one. I just got to get on my knees, open the faucet, and ask the Holy Spirit, speak to me. I don't need nobody else. We have a relationship. You can talk to me. I need your guidance. That's why I get skeptical when people come up to me and tell me things that don't fall in line with my soul. Hey, pastor, God told me to tell you. Well, that's great. But if God's got a message for me, he can tell me himself. I got a relationship. I know him. He knows me. Don't receive things from people who say that they're coming on behalf of God. This is how much you and God are close. The moment you receive Jesus Christ into your heart, you've got a direct connection. It's like the bat line. I'm such a nerd, but the bat line. The commissioner, Commissioner Gordon in Batman had a bat line that he could pick up. And every time he picked it up, directly to Batman, he didn't have to go write a letter. He didn't have to go find Robin. Can you send a message to Batman? As soon as he picked it up, ring, ring, ring. That's the Holy Spirit in your life. Connected to the source. You just pick it up. I need some guidance. And I want you to know, this isn't the last piece because it's the least important. It's the last piece because God has the last word. Because God has the last word. Because you gotta get, you gotta gather all the data. You gotta find out what the word says. You gotta find out what people say. And you gotta look at what life says. But at the end of the day, you present all that data to the source. You say, God, what do you think about this? Uh, because here's the truth: sometimes what God tells you in your spirit will contradict what you see in life. This isn't a good time to start, you know, moving across the country. But 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 but, but I feel it in my heart. Feel it in my spirit. I feel like God's asking me to do something. Sometimes it's going to contradict all the advice of people. 
Everybody's telling me not to do it, but I feel it in my soul. I got to. You know how many people told me not to start this church? Us not to start this church? Wait another year. Wait two years. Thank you. Thank you for your advice. Thank you for your counsel. I probably shouldn't because I ain't got no money. I ain't got no money. I ain't got no people. Everybody's saying not do it. But I feel something in my spirit. I feel God whispering to me. Journey. I feel God whispering to me. Winter Park. I feel God whispering to me. Change and transformation. What is God whispering to you right now that scares the life out of you? Go for it. But here, the spirit will never contradict the word of God. You need to know that too. This is your foundation. The spirit of God will never contradict the word of God. Never, ever, ever, ever. So if you hear something in your spirit that the word doesn't support, you need to nix that right there. Thanks so much for joining us today. We hope you've been blessed and encouraged by this message. We'd love to know how this ministry is touching your life. If you would like to share your testimony or if you have any prayer requests, please email us amen at journeyorl.com where we'll have a team of people ready to celebrate with you and pray with you. Also, if you would like to help support the ministry of Journey Church in a financial way, you can do so by visiting journeyorl.com and choosing the giving option or text journeyorl to 77977. We hope you'll join us again soon. Have a great week.